Hello, my name is Vicki Sparrow, and I bring you greetings from the Christian Church in Port St. John, where my husband Larry and I pastor a group of vibrant saints and sons of, of God. And I'm just delighted to be with you here and be speaking with you and sharing a, a few thoughts that the Lord has placed on my heart, um, considering w- the times that we're living in. You know, we really have the privilege of, of living in a very significant point of history, especially regarding the path of grace and the kingdom victories that God is achieving in partnership with his saints. And it's really, it's a wondrous time that I just stand in amazement, you know, when I consider all that our Father is doing in this nation and in the world around us and and in each of us. However, it's every bit as critical that we're aware of the enemy's strategies for this time frame as well, because we need to be aware of what he's employing in an attempt to counteract the work of God through his sons. Because I can guarantee you the objective of the enemy is always to devalue and destroy the devoted ones of God. His desire is to destroy you and to destroy me in hopes of wiping out God's plan. And I know Pastor Ron has had several teachings in recent weeks regarding this very thing. And I have no doubt that the Spirit will reveal even further insight towards that topic in the coming days. But as we look at the spiritual assault that's being launched against our advancement, what is it that's at the core that our adversary is attempting to put an end to? Well, let's look at a passage that Paul penned to the saints in the Ephesus church to discover a clue to that. It's found in Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6, where Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So, what is it that absolutely infuriates the enemy of God? Is it not our oneness with the Spirit? Is it not our oneness with the very breath of God that we've allowed to fill us and move us in every aspect of our being, spiritually, physically, and emotionally? Our oneness with the Spirit of God, which is born out of our intimacy of relationship with Him, is the plan that drove the enemy to rebel in the first place. True unity comes from being one with the Heavenly Father, But the enemy hates that relationship. He detests how we bind ourselves to the will of God. And he won't be content until he either breaks that bond and or destroys the possibility of it in others. All of the components that are listed in verses 4 through 6 are representative of what the breath of God is. One body or one point of wholeness. There's no other way to function in complete wholeness outside of becoming one with the Father's breath. Forming partnership with any other wind is to function in only partial ability. That's not the way we were made. We were made to function with the wind of God. One spirit. There's only one breath that we breathe. Not several that change with the seasons or change with whatever wind is blowing through our terio at the moment. 
And that spiritual wind that we give ourselves to is according to what? According to the ever-changing doctrines and causes of men? According to the needs of this world? According to enlightened thought that seems to be fresh on the, on the, uh, the uh, horizon right now or coming to be? No, we take in the pneuma of God according to our anticipation, according to our confidence in the next work that Father wants to accomplish. Because we know it's going to initiate what? New life in the kingdom. New points of vitality on this earth. This is what we've been called to do. This is what we live for. One Lord. There's only one supreme authority, no matter how many options are presented. And only total submission to that supreme authority for what He desires is going to assist us in gaining any type of true authority. The same purpose of sonship and partnership is among the Father and the Son, just as it is between the Father and us as His sons. One faith. Oneness is found when we position ourselves continually at the right hand of God's throne, receiving and wanting only His directive, and then taking that forth to see it completed and fulfilled. One baptism. You know, one of the priorities in our lives should be to offer ourselves over and over and over to being overwhelmed by the Father in our thinking, in our feelings, allowing ourselves to be totally immersed in Him and in His will. One God and Father. Oneness is found in delving into the heart of God and allowing Him to prove us as we grow into mature sons. There's no influence higher than Him. There's no other channel through which we come into contact with His Spirit. And there's no other way in which we're positioned to abide in Him. All of these elements of spiritual reality present a picture of oneness with the breath of God. They're all a picture of how His breath operates within us. And yet, having fully embraced this oneness and having given ourselves to it wholly, we still have an ongoing responsibility and even an urgency to protect that point of unity within us. And we find that mandate in verse 3 that we just read. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You're going to recognize that word keep in this verse because you've heard it many times. It's the word terio, which you'll remember means to guard over, as in guarding over our personal commitment to God and His Word. In this effort of guarding, it's to be done through the action of endeavoring. You know, sometimes we think of, I think we could think of endeavor as just an attempt. Uh, you know, give it the good old college try. But endeavor in this context speaks of exerting ourselves. It speaks of involving ourselves in hard work that requires strenuous effort on our part. This is the type of exertion we're supposed to apply to guarding over the oneness of God's breath within us. Whatever it takes, whatever is required of us, we are to invest ourselves in that effort. And it should be done speedily. That's part of that definition, without any hesitation. Because the gift of His breath in us is more valuable than anything else this world can possibly offer us. It's God's breath, His wind, that allows us to successfully go forth in each directive or assignment that He gives us. To achieve that 
and then return in victory for the next assignment. It's God's breath, His wind, that allows us to successfully overcome the iniquitous territories that we we find within ourselves so that we can fill ourselves with more of Him and less of us. Verse 2 gives us a few tips on what will assist us in guarding the breath of God within us. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So our guarding is to be accompanied with these things, lowliness, a mindset of humility in every task that we approach, meekness, extending controlled power and setting aside our personal agendas so we can pursue what it is that God wants to accomplish in the moment, long-suffering, passion that demands that the will of God be fulfilled. The fire for that demand never fizzles out or becomes drawn off off to other needs. Forbearing one another in agape, becoming so closely bound to our Father that we echo back His passion among each other. It's His passion that becomes our commonality and our bond to one another. Our pursuit to breathe hard after what God is breathing hard after is a mutual pursuit that resonates among all the saints as we unite to either intercede on behalf of a directive from God or as we gather together to receive some measure of release from the throne. And as saints, we're not committed to a movement. We are not primarily committed to a people, although we dearly treasure and care for those that we labor beside and minister to in this walk of grace. We are committed to the breath of God within us, to the will of His Spirit. And in these marvelous times of extended of our expanded grace, we we have to preserve the precious unity of God's breath within us at all costs, so we don't find ourselves slowly exchanging our position of oneness with His Spirit for something far less superior and even possibly destructive. We are committed to the burden of God's heart, deposited within us from His breath. And in the midst of our grace assignments, we must continue to guard that breath within ourselves. So we protect the breath of God within us by doing what? Being what His breath embodies. By being who He has called and established us to be. We protect the unity of the Spirit by all of these points of oneness that we've talked about. And as a result... That leaves no room for other marks of identity to take up residence within us and usurp the position of Father's breath. We just need to daily ask our Father to fill us afresh with His breath because the oneness of His breath can be the only influence in us that compels us to live life in the way that God has defined life. And as we carefully maintain and protect that precious commodity within us, We can know and say, as Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Blessings to you all. (laughs) 